We're glad you faced the freezing cold and you made it out here. Our next worship service, right now we're doing it once a month, and so our next one's going to be on January 12th. But every single week we've been meeting at 4 o'clock in the house of a family in the church and just having a Bible study as we're working through the Gospel of John, and you're all invited to that as well. Travis mentioned it, but next week we're going to be out at the Shanahan's house and usually have a meal afterwards. And so come join us. It's a, it's a great time to just get in the Word and, uh, and to study it. So we have been, uh, in these early months, going through what we've been really identified as our core values. And that's worship, and that's covenant community, and, and making disciples. That's uh, serving the church community and the community at large, and all with an eye towards church planting and missions, and and all of that is founded upon what has historically been called the means of grace. And we've been using this word because we want you to understand this, this means of grace. And here's how we've been explaining this idea of means of grace. It's just as God has ordained or, or designed that a plant will grow by giving it water and sunlight, so God has ordained that a Christian grow and that Christians are transformed by the simple use of God-ordained means. And, and those God-ordained means are the Word of God. It's Scripture, uh, the sacraments of baptism, and the Lord's Supper, and prayer. Robert Raymond, speaking of the means of grace, he put it like this. I really like this. He said, Just like we need food for our physical growth, so the people of God need food for their spiritual growth. In essence, what we're saying is that God's Word, the sacraments, and prayer is food for our souls. And so today we're going to expound a text that gives us direction on how prayer relates to anxiety. And so we're not going to look at every aspect of prayer. Uh, Honestly, that's the area that I kind of get into this and I start to think, let's cover everything. And then I realize that we will be here until next week. In fact, it might run into the next service if we were to try to do that. And so we won't look at every aspect of of prayer, but we will look at a particular text in the book of Philippians. and, And we're going to expound this or unpack it and see what God is teaching his people through it. This book, the book of Philippians, you can turn that direction if you want. The book of Philippians is, is a letter that has been written by the Apostle Paul to the church that is in the city of Philippi. Philippi was really the first church ever established in, in Europe. It's in the country of Greece, and, and today you can even go over there and you can see some of the ruins. There's a town nearby that's actually called Philippi, but they spell it with an F instead of a P. It messes everything up. Anyway, in this letter, Paul is speaking much about the joy and the contentment as a a characteristic of Christians, that no matter what our circumstances are, that that we find this joy and this contentment in Christ. And so it it might be of interest to know that while Paul is writing this letter, he's not in Philippi, he's writing it to the Philippians, uh, the people in Philippi, but he's sitting in a Roman prison, and he's basically waiting to find out, are they going to release me to my freedom, or are they going to put me to death? And so he writes this great letter speaking about prayer and and so many other things. Today we're going to look at prayer in particular. Our text today is Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, but we're going to begin reading in verse 4 just to give a little further context to this. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. In our house over near the zoo here in town, we've got three windows in our kitchen, and they look out into the backyard. In our backyard, we have this toy house, and 
we have a trampoline and there are balls of various kinds and there's a table and so our children like to go out there and they like to play in this backyard and so we have these windows where we can kind of watch everything that happens out there and so when something happens we usually see it and we get to watch how it goes down the way our children interact with each other and other people uh, and everything as it goes on and so about a month ago Laura brought home this free kitten that she had found at first its name was Kitty on the grounds that this was going to be a farm cat and farm cats might get eaten up or carried away and so you don't really name a farm cat you just leave it outside and throw some food out there this was going to be an easy thing today that same cat has a name it's named Junie B and she rarely goes outside our children have taken to her very much. They love this cat. I hate to admit it, but I even kind of like this cat. And uh, a few weeks ago, when it was still warmer outside, they, they went outside and they took Junie B with her. Well, Junie B climbed up this tree to the very top, and we could watch out the window, and we could see suddenly there was panic. They tried to coax her down, you know, come on down, come on down. They put a chair at the base of the tree, and they tried to reach to see if they could get here, but, but mostly they just panicked because the cat was in the tree. So then we watch them run around the side of the house, and it's at this point, we've seen this a lot of times, we know that they're, they're coming in at this point. And before we knew it, they're standing in the kitchen, and they're pleading for help. Junie B is in the tree. You know, children know where to find help. They know where to look for it. They know where to find it. And we see this because if someone takes something from them, they run to mom or dad, and they ask for help. Someone's mean to them. They run to mom or dad, and they ask for help. They have a nightmare in the middle of the night. They scream out. Mom, Dad, and you come in there and you comfort them. But children know where to find help, and, and why? Why do they know that? I think simply put, that, that children know that their, their mom and their dad are there to help them and desire to help them. Think about the various issues that, that children face. You're thinking, oh, not a whole lot of big ones, but how quickly they come to mom and dad as they go through this. They say, I I'm afraid. Protect me. I am hurt. Help me, I am dirty, clean me. I am lost, come and find me. I am sad, give me joy. I am hungry, feed me. I am stuck. You ever heard that one? We do. I am stuck, get me out of here. Something is broken, will you fix it? Or this is too hard for me, can you help me? Life is just too much for me. I'm exhausted, can you hold me? Is it any wonder then that, that in the scriptures we see that Christians are, are, are the children of God, that this is a term that God uses. Romans 8.15 tells us that we have received the status of children of God through adoption. And this means that we can cry out to him, Abba, Father, and because we are his children, he hears us. When we are hurt, we can cry out to our Heavenly Father. When we are afraid, we can go to him for comfort. And it's, it's worth noting that, that prayer is for the children of God alone. And that may be difficult to hear. It's not a popular thing to say, but, but it's true that only a Christian can truly pray to God. When Paul wrote this letter, it wasn't to the pagans in Philippi. It wasn't to every person in Philippi. No, he wrote it to all the saints in Jesus Christ who are at Philippi. And so it's true that others do pray. Theists pray to a distant God somewhere. Muslims pray to some concept of God, but the only prayers that go into the throne room of God are the prayers of the saints, those that go in with the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. And so it is only the prayers of those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ through faith who, who are actually making prayers. And I, I tell you this today because I want you to understand something. I want you to understand this. Prayer 
is a privilege for the children of the living God. Prayer is a privilege for the children of the living God. We have access to the Father because he has made us his children through the gift of faith in Jesus Christ. And so now I want to go through this text today with you and unpack it in the hopes that you'll be reminded just how amazing a thing it is that we can pray to God and he hears us. The sentence that we see in verse 6 actually begins in verse 5, so I, I want to begin with that. And it begins by saying, the Lord is at hand. That's how the sentence starts. Before any of this, it says, the Lord is at hand. And this means simply that the Lord is near. This is what we read in Psalm 145, 18, and it makes it even more clear. It says, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. And so one aspect of our calling on God in times of need and in, and in times of fear is that he is near to us. When I was in high school, we went out to a ranch one time, and we were driving these four-wheelers around, and I can remember somehow I had thought these huge hills were the ramps that everyone else was jumping. They weren't. And I was going over them a few times. As my confidence got up, I, I hit it at a great speed, and I got a bunch of air. And when it all settled, the four-wheeler was upside down, and it had ripped through my ankle all the way right down to the tendon. And I found myself pinned to the ground. Nothing on top of me. I just simply could not get my legs to move. And I remember being out in this field and at first just panicking, screaming, help, and nobody could hear me. They were too far off. There was no one near enough that they could hear my screams and eventually I, I stopped crying. And I think that was the scariest part is just knowing there was nobody near. They did eventually come and find me and through surgery my ankle's fine today. But I want you to notice here in God's word before we're going to learn anything about calling out to God, about prayer to God, we're reminded about this truth that the Lord is near. He is near to his children. And because of that, when we cry out to him, he hears us. Verse 6 begins then, it gets right to the point really. It says, do not be anxious about anything. And so it helps to understand what anxiety, at the most basic level, anxiety is the opposite of peace. That's not always helpful, is it? You experience anxiety as worry, as fear. That feeling that things can't be fixed or that things are so terrible and they're probably just going to get worse. This is that feeling of anxiety that comes over us. It's when we feel that there is very little hope in any given situation. Some have even defined it as this debilitating worry, such that it's all we can think about constantly. And it might be something that's, that's out of your control, like a, a health concern for yourself or, or some loved one. It may be something caused by your own sin or even the fear that someone's going to find out about your sin might bring on anxiety. It could also be the result of doing something right. It could be that worry that you feel in a friendship when you speak the truth that you know was the right thing to say, but you're, you have that anxiety about what's going to be the result on my relationship or my friendship in this regard. Or it could be that anxiety of a loved one who is serving somewhere in a dangerous position. So there's many sources of our anxiety, and the temptation to us is to remain in our worry. We feel this at every age. We feel this at every stage of life. And so I want to see how this continues. Look back at the text. Verse 6 continues. It starts, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. And so let's just stop there for a second. What's the range of this statement? What does it cover? Do not be anxious about anything, but in, just to wake you up, say it with me, everything. And this includes work, 
Will you get that job you desire? Will you keep that job you have? Will you be promoted in the way you hope? Are you doing a good job at your work? Our list includes things that we bring to God, things like marriage or, or dating, hopefully in the other direction, children, health issues, deployments, future plans. It includes finals and other assignments, money concerns, sexual struggles, friendships. You know, how we relate to people can cause a great deal of anxiety in our life. It includes things just like finding joy instead of sadness in the life that God's given you. I think you get it, though. It includes absolutely everything. And so, Christian, hear this. God in this text of Scripture is inviting you to bring those worries, those anxieties, to bring them to him. And I keep bringing us back to this image of of children and, and a parent because that's how we relate to God. He is our perfect Heavenly Father. So I again want to paint this picture for you a little further. My children like to bring stuff everywhere, toys or water bottles, chairs, books, rocks, all sorts of various strange objects when we go places. They just like to carry them with them. And, and often these objects for them are very heavy. And so they, they go with you know, a lot of excitement at the beginning. And before long, what happens? I can't carry this anymore. Will you carry this for me? And so they ask me if I will carry it. And sometimes we will. Sometimes we make them learn from this. But eventually they can carry it no longer. And so they will ask, you know, will you carry it? And, and when I do, it's, it's not a burden to me. Because what seems so heavy to them is absolutely light and and easy and and small to me. And so like a child who's carrying this this heavy object is released when she brings it to her father to carry. So our anxieties are released when we bring them to to God, our Heavenly Father, what what is too heavy for us. 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7 says this really clear. It gives a great picture of this and giving our anxieties to God. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And so, how do we give these anxieties to God, right? We want to do that. Our text gives the answer to that. It, it says simply by prayer and by supplication. A prayer is simply communication with God, communicating anything to God. You might tell him how you feel, what you saw, why you're so confused. It's telling God anything at all. And supplication, on the other hand, is a request for some sort of of action. God, will you give me wisdom? God, will you be my strength in this particular sin? And so through all this, what's clear is this, that God is inviting you to speak to him, to come in the name of Jesus Christ through prayer, both to tell him what our anxieties are and to ask him to work in specific ways. This is another reason that The gospel really is such wonderful news for all who believe. Not only is our sin forgiven, but we are made children of God who now have access to God through prayer. And so really, it's a pity how little we take advantage of this privilege to speak to God through prayer. Now look again at verse 6 with me. Let's see what comes next. I I found this pretty interesting. Verse 6 starts, and we'll read it all again and we'll get back to it. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Now stop there just a moment, because it's really not what you expect, right? Shouldn't the thanksgiving come later? Like, I'll pray now, God, and we'll see how this turns out, and then maybe I'll thank you later if it works out the way I want. And yeah, when, when that happens, we certainly want to come back to God and be thanking him, but that's not what he's talking about here. Here we're seeing that when we come to God and when we speak to him through prayer and we make requests, we should come with thanksgiving. And I know it sounds weird to me too. It's not what we see in practice, is it? 
You know, if, if I'm honest, most of my requests are, are really veiled complaints. The situation stinks. God, I, I don't have enough of this. And so, or maybe uh, this person is so frustrating because, and these are the ways we tend to make these requests, right? But, but God is telling us how to come to him with our requests, and he says to come with thanksgiving. This changes our view when we do this. It forces you to consider what we have to be thankful for to begin with, to remember that God is near and, and that he wants to hear from us and, and that he desires to take away the anxieties of our children. You know, you, you've seen people interact when they ask for things, right? Probably seen positive ways when someone's kind. You've also seen people very, very rude. And, and there's a big difference, isn't there, between why haven't you given me enough food? You don't get that, right? And thanks for dinner. May I have some more? There's a big difference between the one that just comes and demands and the other that has a thankful heart even in the asking of it. And so we come to God and when we are handing over our anxiety, we do so with a thankful heart, acknowledging how much God has already done for us. As we remember what God has already done for us, our confidence in what God can do for us will grow. And in fact, in the Old Testament, you remember they used to make these Ebenezers, which by all accounts are not real impressive structures. You just pile a bunch of rocks up. And you think, well, that was a waste of time. My kids do it all the time, right? They had a huge reason for it. It was that when you came by with a later generation, you'd see these rocks and everyone would know that, okay, they didn't naturally end up that way. And you'd say, so why are these rocks this way? And it was so they could say, because God has delivered us, because God has done this or God has done that. And it was to show the, the next generation, look how much God has done. And part of that seeing what God has done in our lives is a reminder of what God can do. His love for us in, in the past is encouraging our faith and knowing that for the future. Verse 6 then ends with this simple statement, let your requests be made known to God. This is where we pour out our hearts to a caring Heavenly Father. Unfortunately, our image of a father is often shaped by sinful men who fail to care for their children in this world, and that's not the image that, that Scripture paints for us. That's not who God is. He is a perfect Heavenly Father who cares deeply for His children. And, and as a father, not a perfect one, but as a father, I understand the desire to have my children come to me and, and share with me, to tell me, even at their young age, what's going on in their life, to consider how I might help them, how I might serve them, how I might take care of them. And it is our Heavenly Father who is asking us to come and to pour out our worries on Him. And so this passage is for those who are His children. It's for your good. And so let me encourage you with the very words of Scripture, let your request, Christian, be known to God. This is true in, in two ways. The request you have for yourself because of personal anxiety, but it's also true as you pray for others. Not only do our children come running to the house at times when they need help, but they also come when somebody else needs help. They know that we desire to help others as well, and so they come on behalf of anyone who's in need. In fact, it's a wonderful thing. I love to see when our children come in on behalf of someone else, even in the moment of, of fear and scariness, as you don't know what's going on out there, but, you know, so-and-so fell down and they're hurt, come help. Just that, to see that they care for one another in that way. And so let us go to God with, with our anxieties related to ourselves, but also with anything that might cause us anxiety related to somebody else on their behalf. 
Verse 7, though, this is the one we like because it, it gets down to results. You know, if I pray, what's really going to happen? What can I expect? In verse 7, read it with me or, or just follow along with me. It says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's not exactly what we might expect. It's at least not what we want. James Montgomery Boyce once pointed out that what we might expect this verse to go like is, is more like this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, and God will fulfill your request. Isn't that really what we, what we tend to want? I pray, and, and then you do what I, what I ask you to do. We ask, and, and God gives what we ask for. That's, that's how prayer works, right? That's how we want it to work. After all, that's what we read in 1 John 5, 14 and 15. It says, And this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. The key thing to note in, in that verse in 1 John 5 is, is that it says, If we ask anything according to his will. That might be the reason you didn't get that PS4 you've been praying for. Andrew Murray, who was a, a minister a little more than a, a hundred years ago, he identified two types of prayers that we make to God, and he called the first type the prayer of submission. Uh, and the prayer of submission, these are these requests that we make where we can't possibly know what the will of God is in regards to it. Things such as, you know, God, who should I marry? What career should I have? Should I buy this house or should I buy that house? And we're to make these requests to God to ask for wisdom, confessing our anxieties that are involved in these kind of choices, but also knowing that God may or may not grant what it is we are desiring to happen. And these are the prayers that we make sometimes, and, and we think, well, boy, that wasn't exactly the way I thought that was going to go. And, and these are the prayer of submission. The other type of prayer that Murray identifies is the prayer of faith. These are requests for things that we know in fact to be the will of God, and we know these things are the will of God because his scripture has said so clearly. These are requests for things such as purity or humility or, or boldness to proclaim the gospel to someone. Uh, these we can and we should ask with expectation and faith that God will answer these. Uh, what we see in our text, though, prayers asked in regard to our anxiety is this. The truth is, God may not fulfill your request, at least not in the way that you desire him or have asked him to. Robert Raymond, speaking of this, uh, a prayer in general really, makes this, this point very well. He says, prayer is not the means by which we get from God what we want. Rather, prayer is a means God uses to give us what he wants. And before we get too far off on this, I mean, remember that the Apostle Paul himself understood this well. You know, as he writes this whole section of Philippians, he also wrote 2 Corinthians, where we see that God did not respond to Paul's prayer by giving him what he asked for. In 2 Corinthians 12, 8 and 9, it says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul prayed for God to remove something from his life. No one's absolutely certain what it is. Some have believed it to be a, a health issue that was constantly nagging him. Some thought it was some particular sin that he struggled with. The point of this doesn't get lost no matter what it was. The point is, God does not remove it from Paul. And Paul confesses that 
Because of that, it has driven him to depend all the more on God so that God is exalted in the life of Paul. And so while it doesn't say that we will receive what we ask when we pray, it does promise something to us, doesn't it? Something that only God can give. What it promises to you, to me, to all whose faith is in Christ, is the peace of God. And peace is a a resting, it's a quietness. Like we said before, it's the opposite of anxiety, right? He promises the peace of God. And, And the rest of this text even tells us the peace that we are talking about surpasses all of our understanding and that it's going to guard our hearts and our minds. And, and so you see that the peace that God is giving is not like the world's peace. God's peace guards our hearts and guards our minds. Uh, guard is a military word. It means to surround a city uh, and to protect it, or really anything. Say you're in a city, and there's this threat outside that comes to harm you. A, a large enemy army is, is barreling down on your city, and you're inside, and certainly this would bring anxiety. The peace of God guarding us then is like saying that there there is this huge army who is also outside and is protecting us a superior army a huge army that cannot be defeated and so when the world speaks about peace it's more about ignoring problems that cause anxieties you know just let go of it don't let your mind think about that just push it out are you worried about losing your job The world's advice is often just don't think about that. Think about other things. Get your mind off of it. It's this idea of getting rid of negative thoughts, but with God's peace. It's not ignoring that issue, that threat, but remembering that that God is with you. God is protecting you. And so coming back to that, that image of the city that's being threatened, you know, not just thinking about it, like pretending there is no enemy forces out there. That might get it out of your head, but that doesn't really fix the anxiety, right? Because it doesn't change the reality at all. Just pretending there's no threat. But knowing, the knowledge that there is an army outside that is superior to the threat that is surrounding and is protecting you, when you know that, you really know that there is this undefeatable army protecting you, then anxiety absolutely dissolves. And so if you're worried you might lose your job, your prayer is for God who is sovereign to care for you to know that he stands near and that he protects you. The anxiety is then lifted because you know that our mighty God will take care of you no matter what happens with that job. And so the truth is, we can make this as intellectual as we want, and this is kind of what I come back down to, is this, that the reality of how much we speak to God in prayer is not tied to just simple intellectual understanding or misunderstanding. What I mean is this, in most cases, it's not that you need more information about prayer before it's really going to become real in your life. What you need is, is more faith. What you need is the faith of a child who knows that to run to God with everything, it means something. I know that we tend to feel this guilt for not praying as, as much as we should, at least I do, if you're like me, as if it's was some difficult task that, you know, as Christians we're supposed to pray, and, you know, I'm supposed to be doing that. And the reality is guilt's not going to motivate you to pray, not for long. We all understand the basic idea that prayer is is nothing if God is nothing. And that's why it takes God-given faith to pray. And so we must believe. We must believe that God is real, and he is. We must believe that God hears us, and he does. And, And we must believe that God loves us and will care for us, and God does. That's what he's saying in his word here. 
And so our text put very simple. If you really want to bring it down to just one basic statement, do you want to worry less? Christian, do you want to worry less? Then pray more. Let me close by bringing us back to the image of the child. I bet you've all seen this. The child insists on doing something on, on their own way. Let's say they're, they're putting together a new toy. You can see that they're going to ruin it, right? I'm not the only one who's seen this before. You offer to help, and it's, no, no, I've got this. I can, I've got it. It's mine. That stubbornness, really, when, when you see that, it's not impressive. It's sad because help is right there, and it was declined. I've watched my own children. I've watched other people's children, and I can say that usually they don't want help for one of three reasons. Either they don't think I can help them. I don't think you really can help me. Two, pridefully, they think they are so wise and, and so skilled that really they don't need my help. I got this. And three, uh, they're worried that I would do it differently than they would. And so how sad it is to see little children reject help in these situations. How sad also is it when we watch the children of God respond to our Heavenly Father in a similar way. I don't think God can really help me in this. Let me, let me do it. Uh, or this prideful thinking, you know, I, I've got this. I'm, I've got the abilities to do this. I don't need you, God. Uh, or even this worry that God might do this different, right? I know what we need in the situation. I know what I want, and, and God may do something different here. And so let me encourage you with this closing statement. Don't be a foolish child. Don't do it. Instead, know your weakness and know the love that God has for you. Be a faithful child who goes to God with everything. And so may we go to God like the child who says, God, I am afraid. Protect me. God, I am hurt. Help me. I am, I am dirty. Clean me. I am lost. Come find me. I am sad. Will you be my joy? I am hungry. Will you feed me? This is broken. Please fix it. This is too hard for me, God. Will you help me? This is too heavy. Will you carry it? Life is just too much for me, God. Hold me.